0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Always Bev, The Ripple Effect. I am your host, Barb Jordan. My guest today will be Moose Moore, but before I get to Moose, I just want to give you an introduction to today's show because we're going to discuss Gabby Petito and what happened to her. And for some of you, you reached out to me. I want to thank you for that because you thought that Gabby's story resembled my sister Beverly and in some ways it did. They were engaged, they were charmed or manipulated for this great idea and got taken into an area of isolation where their lives were ended. And we're going to take a look at Gabby's story because obviously without knowing anything prior to this trip, there's some concerning behavior that happened on this trip. And one of those things was when there was a, a disturbance and somebody called the police. I've taken a look at the videos in the police cams. And what you see with Gabby is somebody who's fearful, somebody who's crying. She's alarmed. She's scared. And they interview her. She can hardly speak in complete sentences. In fact, she's even apologizing at times saying, oh, I'm OCD. So she minimizes what has happened and she takes the blame. But she's clearly scared and upset. And then you take a look at him, Brian Landry, And he's relaxed, he's cold, he's got a blank stare, his body language is unthreatening, it's calm, his hands are in front of him, and he's joking with the police at times. So this is the description of classic domestic abuse. What we do know is that it's a homicide investigation and the cause of death is pending, of course, Brian's on the run, right? He kills her and he runs away for his life. And, you know, he's going to do one of two things. He's going to kill himself or he's going to be found. But as we look at this, you know, they were engaged since last July. And let's go to this incident that happened on August 12th where they're pulled over for speeding. And I want you to know that when they were pulled over, somebody called 911. And in that 911 call, they stated that they saw Brian slapping her. The witness then says he sees Brian lock Gabby out of the van. Mind you, it's her van. And so out there in the middle of nowhere, think of the fear of being locked out of the van with the possibility of him driving away. Now, there's there's another witness says, you know, he, he saw Brian push Gabby. We know that Gabby and him got into a scuffle. He's got scratches on his face. So, of course, he's the only one with a mark. And the officers declined to charge Gabby with domestic assault. It's unbelievable. And they did this, even though the 911 caller says he saw Landry Slapper, he saw Landry keep her out of the car. He saw them fighting. So it's really, uh, it's really the turning point I think in what could have kept Gabby safe. He had them. The officer had them spend the night apart. He said, "Now, Gabby, you'll spend the night in the van, and Brian, well, you'll go to a hotel." I wonder how many minutes and hours transpired before Gabby's text started blowing up with Brian's manipulation of when they could be together again. There's a lot of twists and turns in here, but this is some of the meat of this story. And for Gabby's family, unfortunately, they began to worry when her three-time-a-week FaceTime calls with her mom stopped. The text messages stopped. The social media posts stopped. Obviously, red flags. And of course, Brian returned September 1st with no sign of Gabby. And somewhere along the way, he went on the run. All right. I'm going to bring in my guests and I'm going to bounce some thoughts around with my, one of my favorite guests who has joined me in every season of this podcast. Everybody loves when I have Moose Moore on this episode. Moose, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Well, you're so welcome. I'm, it's, it's an honor for me and I'll do anything for you, Barb, because you're, you're, you're really doing some great work and I love helping you.
0: Ah, You're awesome. You're awesome. Listen, uh, a tragic story transpired over this past week. In fact, we were going to talk about warning signs of terrorists and active shooters on this episode, but you and I are so intrigued by the Gabby Petito story that I wanted to ask you a few questions about it. Would that be okay?
1: No, I think that's great. And if we can work in the other, we will do that. Okay.
0: All right. You got it. You got it. Listen, they're engaged and you know, they're decided it seems so harmless. We're going to go harmless to some. We're going to go on a cross country trip. So there's a lot of things, but the, one of the first things you always talk about is isolation. So when you talk about driving cross country, whether it's by yourself or with your fiance or with your family, what are they facing?
1: Well, I think that, uh you know, there's going to be more to this story that comes out with friends and family uh, when it's all said and done. And it's probably all going to be the same pattern. They had some issues. They probably fought some. They maybe weren't really compatible in certain areas. Uh, He might have had a temper that people had seen. Uh, I I think that, you know, when you're 22 years of age and you're going with uh, cross country for a two to three month trip there there's so many questions in my mind I just can't even put my arms around it you're going to sleep in in a van you're you're going by yourselves uh you're not married Uh, is there been some issues uh you know you're going to be out there uh and if nothing else the isolation that you talked about you don't know who's going to be out there and you don't know what you're going to encounter in terms of predators whether it be natural predators or 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 human president predators so um, gosh, this was a big, big decision that they took that obviously both pets and sets of parents agreed to. I mean, they were engaged. They were 22, uh, but supposedly they were living with his family. That's a red flag to me. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. You know, I've yeah, been engaged yeah. before and I didn't live with my in-laws. You kidding me? I mean, yeah, it just, that those are some of the unknowns to me, but the more will come out on this, Barb. Uh, obviously, what's gotten me more concerned was the fact that that there was a domestic uh, incident and the police did respond to it. And that's, yeah. that's what's gotten me so concerned, because with all my experience it has been if you if you go to a domestic uh, report of violence that you separate them and they're once pulled out of the out of the situation, at least for 24 hours. And that wasn't the case here. Uh, And that, and there was obviously one had been hitting and pushing. I think that was identified in the police report. He pushed her. Well, that's, that's domestic violence. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be a black eye or or a cut lip Um, that was identified. And then one of the park rangers uh, and I read her testimony and she says she had even looked at her. She has not looked at her, um, Body cam, it's so upsetting to her because she realizes that she probably they, they told him, hey, you two need to be separated and I don't be in the same location. And that, and that was told to them that nothing else was done. Uh, she she did re- recognize the female uh, resource or, or park ranger did say told her personally, hey, you know, you ought to get out of this relationship. This is so she recognized that there was some danger there. She claims that I didn't think it would be violence, but there was something that wasn't right. So, yeah,
0: yeah. when I, I when I look at the law enforcement, I mean, I just look think that it's it's an experience to say to a twenty two year old, okay, so what you guys are going to do is you're just going to sleep in separate places tonight. Yeah. You know, at what point in the night don't you think that the guy is going to be texting her and calling her and persuading her? To come be with him, you know what I mean. Like just because the police say you two, now you two sleep separate tonight. Yeah, yeah. We all know that that didn't happen, and if it did, it didn't happen all you know very long.
1: The whole thing's crazy to me, and but I think that you know for our audience and your audience here, here's the thing that that I want to delve into because it makes sense to me, and you and I've discussed this many times. And here I am, a man. So you, this is two two good opportunities here. Men don't change. So so if you're dating someone and this guy's got some flaws, he obviously has flaws. I I don't know him personally, but it's obvious he's missing. I would say he's the key suspect. He probably is the one that probably did do it. Uh, But but men don't change. So when, and, and you know, Barbara, you and I've been on college campuses before, and we've told these, these female athletes, Hey, if you're dating someone that is overbearing, he texts you constantly, he's jealous of your time. He doesn't want anybody else around you. And you as a female think you're going to change him. I'm as a male telling you that'll never happen mm-hmm. that, uh, that they're on a cross country trip for three months. They, he ought to be putting roses on her pillow every night. i um, you know, that's, that's where they should be in their engagement mm-hmm. part of their uh, phase of their life. But if there's any type of, um, uh, there's, uh, you're putting someone down, you, you may be pushing, you may be overbearing and that's not a good relationship and that one should be split up. And, you know, you and I go back to the incident at the university of Virginia, a lacrosse player that, um, uh, that was killed, I believe, um, uh, she was dating a guy that was an abuser, and and all her friends knew it,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I think her parents knew it, and and nothing was done. And there's a point where as friends, uh, as acquaintances, we had somebody's got to step in and say, "Hey, what are you dating this guy for? You know, he's a jerk. Hey, let's do something different. L- let's go on a different vacation. Don't go with him. Come with me. Let's we'll go out to the park by ourselves, or I don't know. I, I'm just." I'm so upset with this death because I think it's so senseless. And mm. I think there's, there were po- probably plenty of warning signs that we'll all find out about before it's all said and done.
0: Yeah. And, and in, in Yardley loves case. In fact, her sister yeah. stepped up at one point and said, you need to get a restraining order. Like people actually did step up. In fact, yes there were guys on another lacrosse team from another university who saw them arguing on campus once. And it was so, they were so upset about it. They stopped their van and got out and helped Yardley get away from them because even they knew that he was a toxic individual. And again, if you can't keep your distance from these people, the ending's not going to be well.
1: No. In fact, I'm glad you mentioned that, but Anna, when she was attacked, she was living. She did separate. But it, when you do that, and I and you and I both know this, and I've read it plenty of times, a, a paper, a, a restraining order is not worth the papers written on. It's not going to keep a bad person from doing bad things if they want to get to you. Which means you you have to go into either a protected. <laughs> if you're if you're going to live in a new place, you need to have a roommate that can be there with you that help protect you. Uh, you, you got to make sure the locks can't get in. He actually broke the door in to get mm-hmm. to her. And that was his pattern. He was violent. He would get drunk. So if you are in that case and you want to use a, a restraining order, which I agree with doing that, but you better do some other things. Either uh, live with uh, two or three people, make sure that everybody, your friends know what's going on and, uh, and protect yourself. And this, yeah. she was scared enough to go to the police. So she should have been um, it, somebody should have helped her stay safe. And she did. She was living by herself when that guy broke in and, and actually uh, killed her and was obviously tried and convicted.
0: All right, let's go back to Gabby, a lot of similarities. Um, and again, some of these things are going to come out on Brian Laundry. but for Gabby to me, the manipulation and the isolation, like, you know, we don't know whose idea it was to go across country. But for me, when I look at this case, the manipulation started months ago when he got her to leave her family and friends, because for anybody, but specifically a young woman, 22 years old, their support is their family and their friends. And when you take that away from a 22-year-old, guess what they have left? All they have le- all she had left was Brian. Yeah. That's That was her go-to. And so there they are on a road trip and they get into a fight and the police come. First of all, everyone's always scared when the police come, but she's in a fight with him. Is she really going to say, yes, arrest him and leave me out here by myself? Yeah, I mean, is no. she really going to do that? I mean- she, she was in such a difficult position because the bottom line was if they arrest him, she's out there by herself all the way across the country.
1: There's no you know, I, I put no blame on her. You and I will know there's no blame on the victim because uh, but I do believe that at that point in time, of course, this is all 2020 hindsight. But he probably should have been arrested if they if it had been identified that he had struck her. They should have incarcerated him. They should have gotten her van and said, Hey, we're going to take you back into town. There'll be a motel here. You know, there's can we call your parents? I mean, I know she's a 22 year old. I find it very interesting. And once again, we're going on, boat. we're reading. Do you think maybe his Brian Laundry's parents were manipulated a little bit? Uh, there's some speculation that he may never was at home or that he came back and they hit him or whatever the case may be. But I, this is such a, this was so unusual and it's getting so much national attention, but for us and to help your audience is that the isolation was, he had complete control over uh, parents. She's 22. She's, Mom, I'm moving out. and I'm going to live with Brian. It's, it's a, uh, it's got failure written all over it and it's got tragedy written all over it. And sure enough, that's what we're faced with right now.
0: Yeah. I think that you, you speak a lot about when you, when you do your classes, uh, people want to be on their cell phones when they're walking across a parking oh, lot. Like, Oh, oh. You, And you always say, you know, I'll, what do you say when I say, Oh, I'll just say on my phone. What do you always say?
1: Well, I always say that the, the only thing that your boyfriend or your parent or whoever you're talking to is going to hear you scream.
0: They right. cannot help you. Exactly. And, and
1: so the phone is, uh, and you and I have done that one before on video before the phone, which is one of our worst enemies for all of us is uh, terribly distracting and it's, um, and it can be it can be a real uh, problem for all of us when in the public area. You just yeah. lose sight of everything.
0: And I think that parents, you know, they want to let their kids live. And a cross-country trip sounds fun and invigorating. But, you know, they're like, you know, a lot of times people who who they do online dating, they're like, do my GPS tracker. And then you'll know where I am the whole time. I know. And I just think to myself, they're going to know where you are but that doesn't necessarily mean that they can save you. They might be able to find your body. Sure. But that's about it. So she had her GPS tracker and then she, her parents, of course, at a minimum, you know, were like, can you please just check in with us every day? Which she did. But again, it's what, what transpires between yeah. phone call each text, each social media post. Nobody knows.
1: The, the last text may not have been actually her texting. And then, Mm. of course, uh, we're losing cell uh, coverage, so you're not going to hear from me. It it was a complete um, fiasco, and it's just I feel sorry for everybody involved. The parents, certainly the parents are her of Gabby because they're going to be questioning what did we allow happen. And part of that is the foundation that we set as parents and as friends to try to help and not let these people make these what I would call pretty dumb decisions. But, you know, he's a bad guy. And uh, and I feel like he's a bad guy. I I think I'd be shocked if uh, if he's not involved with her, her death. Mm. He's got to be. He's missing.
0: Well, let's talk about the manipulation, because obviously, I mean, I'll just lay all my chips on the table. I think it's safe to say that Gabby was manipulated during this relationship to make decisions that probably she had to be persuaded into. And then you know, the boyfriend puts that on her. Tell your parents this. Tell your parents this. We'll do this. And, you know, it's a convincing factor. You know, you, you've been a parent. You yeah. know how your kids make it sound grand and yeah. say, yeah. <laughs> we're going to do all these things. So we're OK. And it's just uh, it's really tough because her parents seem like wonderful people. And it's not that they made a bad decision. It's they were fooled. Yeah, they, I, I, they were conned. I, they were charmed. That's exactly what happened to them.
1: I think that, um, you know, as a parent, one of the things that you have to be concerned with and and of course she was older. So that's that there's that a whole new, um, twist to it. But, you know, sometimes if you, as a parent, I call it the red flags, if you're feeling something that's not right and and they could not have been happy because obviously there was some incidents that happened before they traveled, according to the, her parents, um, they've got to almost step in and say, you can't, this is wrong. You can't do this. And, uh, she obviously loved her parents, whether they stood, stood up and said, no, I know as a parent many times and there'll be kids people that listen to your podcast that are parents and have kids that are in college age kids, you know, we, as parents can't be your best friend. We have to be the ones that are be the, if you will, the adult that makes the decisions. And I've told my kids, uh, as I was raising them. I and I have three wonderful kids and 11 grandkids now, but I, I'll tell them, hey, you know, I'll be the bad guy. Let You, you know, I know the peer pressure is tough. You're getting pressure from whomever. This is, here's the rules. This is how we live. This is a decision that's being made. You tell your friends that it was my decision and that dad said, I can't do it. And I can't do it. You know, mm-hmm. I still live under the house or um, anyway, it's it's one of those things, the manipulation, you know, the, when your brain is being developed and when you're 22, it doesn't mean you're the smartest person in the world either. Not putting blame on her again. But I wish somebody had stepped in and I wish some friends and I, once again, Barb, it's going to be interesting to see uh, as more information comes out once this is put to bed. And I think we're hopefully we can learn from it.
0: And, yeah, let, let me ask you this because yeah. you know there's there's different types of predators in the world. Some are scary. Some you can just look at and be like, "Hmm, bad dude over there." Yeah. You know, whatever they're wearing, it's just a look, and they look evil. But this guy Brian, uh, he doesn't necessarily look like a mm. bad guy. He looks normal, and that is a different type of predator. So when you have observed the different pictures of of them together. Do you see anything that gives you any sort of warning?
1: Uh You know, you don't. And, and that was, um, pictures are just one dimensional, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you, they're together and they're smiling and their arms around each other. Um, I, I, I'd i probably have to look a little bit closer, but, and those are just two pictures that the media has posted. That's, that's been given to them by the families. Um, but you know, when you talk about predators the predators that the predators that we know the ones that may be in your class they may be the person at the coffee shop that always speaks to you uh, that is a that is an acquaintance not necessarily somebody you know i always say that if somebody's too charming too charming and 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 overbearing in terms of their efforts to be charming there's usually a connection there's something that is not quite right uh, i can't tell in this guy's case i, I I think they were together for quite a few years and I don't know all that. So I better be careful what I state. Um, But I couldn't, I couldn't tell anything in the pictures, but, but behavior manipulation come move in with, I mean, it's one thing if you're going to move in with your betrothed and you get an apartment and you're really working hard to make it work. But when you move in with your parents as a betrothed, that's something that, why are you doing that? I don't, you know,
0: if yeah. you're not, if
1: you, if you can't afford to live by yourselves as an gay if that's what you choose, then you're, you're not ready to live with each other.
0: Yeah, you know? I saw a video. Uh, it was Brian's sister this week after she was missing and he was missing and she was bold enough to come on the news and say she's like a sister to me. And I want to say if she was like a sister to you, you wouldn't have let her go
1: amen yeah and and kept silent however many days they kept silo when this child was missing but my understanding is he shows back up with her van and not her right and and nothing is said about this even if he lied to them and said well she stayed in a hotel out in moab well come on you don't you still i can't imagine that you'd leave anybody you love and not contact them right away say hey i'll send you an airline ticket i mean no it's it's just so it's it's horrible and uh, and I'm sorry that it's happened.
0: So I want to ask you a question and I've asked several men th- this question this week. And I've asked <clears throat> why why is it that men can get mad at each other? Two guys, why is it that men can fight each other, two guys, but they don't kill each other. They don't strangle each other. Why is it that not every man but when certain men fight with a woman, why do they feel the need to kill them?
1: Oh wow. <clears throat> well, you know one of the things that I do teach in Gabby's case, um, and it, there's such a fine line between love and hate and that that you, you it, and I'm not sure what and I'm not there's no excuse for him if that's what he did. Uh, men, I think, uh, because you have an adversary that may, may be more difficult to strangle and to kill because it's a man and he can maybe meet you halfway in, in the fight itself. Uh, but from a female, I think a lot of that has to do with power. I think and I've told you this before, Barb, most women that are abducted, and we'll take Gabby, uh, that are abducted, either sexually assaulted and murdered, uh, and that were probably not shot. I dare say that when they do an autopsy, we find out that Gabby was not shot. So that means men that prey on women that will kill women, they've got a real anger issue. Uh, they're sick. And uh, and I find that most of them will try to use their hands. I'll, but I'll tell you another statistic that came from Chicago several years ago that also stated that if a woman will fight her assailant and really put up a fight, 80% of them are, are not, not killed. In fact, they say 80% are not even injured. So, so there's a point where we, and I'm, I'm a parent that's raised two daughters. I was a little different because I was in the service, but we have to teach our girls, our women, and you were an athlete. So, and you, and you had a your dad, you've told me the stories where you, you're the boxing and, and around your head and you had brothers and, and that was, so you weren't afraid to fight. You were kind of raised that way. But there's a lot of women, I would say 90%, that are never taught to defend themselves or how to defend themselves or it's okay to put my thumb into their eyeball. And and there's things that we can teach. And so men prey on women because they think they can win. If a woman fights and has any knowledge at all, she can turn that table pretty quick, at least long enough to find space and separation. Gabby's case, she chose to go on an isolated trip out West. And a lot of people condone that and, and, and went along with it. And it's, it's unfortunate, but I think that's the case. Men, men, unless they have a gun. Now men are pulling guns now and shooting each other, but they're not fist fighting. Right. And, uh, and they're usually not being beaten with baseball bats or usually being shot. So, but I you can also fight someone that has a baseball bat in their hand. So that's all a trained skill that I encourage people to spend a little bit of time. You can learn a lot just by, studying, but women, we need to teach our women how to be, how to avoid it, how to be used, predictive profiling, how to make better decisions if they can on these men that will try to trick them. And then if they are tricked on what they can physically do to try to get themselves out of danger.
0: Yeah, I agree. Recognizing the the warning signs before we even let them into our inner circles. And the more that we are equipped to do that, the safer we're going to be.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Yeah. All right. Listen, I thank you so much for all your time. Great stuff. Great stuff.
1: OK, well, you call me anytime, Barb. You know, I big, love doing this.
0: Big demand for you, Moose. <laughs> oh, well,
1: I'm sorry, sorry to say that, but I'm, I'm glad I'm here to help.
0: I always enjoy getting Moose's thoughts. Very skilled in what he does, especially in the area of predictive profiling. I've learned a lot from him. I, I, a question for the audience about uh, Brian Laundry, and that is, did anybody notice how his appearance changed throughout the trip? When he left, he was clean shaven, and of course, when you're on a cross country trip and you're camping, you grow a beard. But somewhere along this trip, he trimmed his beard, and I, I also think that that's weird. Why would you change? Why would you trim a beard when you're staying in camping grounds on a trip? And part of that is maybe it's so people weren't able to identify him if, in fact, he had intentions of doing harm. I, I'm sorry for Gabby, and I'm I'm extremely sorry uh, for her family and for her friends. It's It's a crushing story, and it does, for me personally, it does hit close to home. All right, I'm your host, Barb Jordan. Thanks for joining me in another episode. Don't miss our upcoming episodes. It'll be on guns for terrorists and active shooters. What are the warning signs? and what you can do to stay safe.